0: episode 87 this is the business generals podcast we chat with amazing entrepreneurs every single week to help you maximize your startup business ideas take control of your personal finances and get the most out of your professional career subscribe to the show and check out businessgenerals.com for full show notes free tools and killer resources to help you on your journey to maximizing your business dreams. And now, your host, Davis Mutabwa.
1: Welcome and thank you for joining me once again here on the Business Shares Podcast where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs. Remember, if you have not already done so, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you do not miss a single episode. It is Davis Mutawa here, your host, and I am very, very excited to bring you our feature guest for today, Mr. Bobby Umar. Bobby, welcome to the Business Generals Podcast.
2: Thank you very much.
1: I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much, Bobby. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Bobby has been named by Inc. magazine as one of the top 100 leadership speakers alongside people like John Maxwell and Richard Branson. He has taken to the famous and prestigious TEDx stage four times and has over half a million followers on social media. Bobby is also an international author and a Huffington Post contributor. So really excited to hear your story, Bobby. Once again, welcome. Why don't you kick us off by telling us who is Bobby outside of business?
2: Outside of business, I am a proud dad of two kids, a boy and a girl. I am an avid strategy board game player. I love musical theater, singing and performing. Uh, I also am involved in improv comedy. And uh, yeah, I think that's probably... And I'm also quite uh, fond of uh, following politics.
1: Got it, got it. Improv comedy, too, do you do that like full on on, on stages or just for friends?
2: No, I used to do it on stage. Uh, I was trained through a program called Second City. Uh, it's all a lot of the best comedians uh, are trained through there. And uh, although since I've had kids, I haven't really done much performing, but I do serve the arts community by remaining on a board of directors. Uh, that's kind of my arm length link to the performing arts community.
1: Nice, nice. Did that help with your speaking career, do you think?
2: Absolutely. Uh, adaptability, flexibility, improvisation. I mean, I typically will on stage, improvise when I get a feel for a joke or a story, and on top of that, uh, when I answer questions, it's actually very good to be adaptable uh, the way I am with uh, improv skills.
1: Mm, very good. Now, Bobby, let's talk business. Um, how long have you been in full-time business for yourself?
2: Uh, I started my business 10 years ago. So, uh, actually, funny, I recently had my 10-year anniversary and I had a little party and that was fun, but I started, uh, technically, I started in 2007, so 10 years.
1: And and did you go full-time 10 years ago, or did you kind of ease into it?
2: No, I did the full, quick transition right into it. Uh, Although, I mean, there was a time in between, like, after I left the corporate world. And um, what's interesting is that uh, it's funny how life happens, but certain um, uh, health problems happen to both my wife and I, and so we spent three, four months trying to figure that out. And then I was like, okay, you know what, I need to, let me wrap up the business. And I started doing a lot of the due diligence and work and surveys, feedback, getting information, trying to figure out my model, my business plan. And then I was ready to launch uh, January 2017, or sorry, 2007, Mm -hmm. sorry. And
1: uh, I haven't looked back ever since. Fantastic. So so walk us through your core revenue streams at the moment.
2: (laughs) Well, the number one thing I do is I'm a professional speaker. So inspirational, motivational speaker, and I travel mostly across Canada, but I've done stuff around the world, like in uh, India and uh, UAE and and England and Portugal. But for the most part, uh, I'm focused mostly in Canada, but I have gone to other places. Uh, I speak about leadership uh, as as a general thing, but then my main three expertise is our networking, relationship building, connection. The other one would be personal branding, and the third one would be social media, digital marketing type stuff. So... That's the main revenue stream. The second revenue stream, I'd would say, would be uh, coaching. So I do a lot of business coaching, executive coaching, typically in four areas, uh, either people who want to transition from job A to job B or co- industry A to industry, industry B or transition from corporate to become an entrepreneur. The second area would be people who are entrepreneurs and want to get more focus and clarity and differentiation and just really get better aligned brands. The third area would be to help them ramp up. So if people want to ramp up with business leads or sales leads or build up a huge thought leadership profile or you know get more followers. And then the fourth area in which I coach people are usually do something specific like, hey, I want to get uh, my first TEDx talk or hey, Bobby, I want to speak better. And those are things I would I would coach them on. And then the third revenue stream I work on is uh, events. So I run a big event called DYPB. It's called Discover Your Personal Brand. It's North America's biggest personal branding conference. It's been going on for five years now and uh, I've done it uh, in Toronto but uh, we're having some bigger plans to try to build it up and expand it to other regions. So that would be the, the third revenue stream.
1: Right. And why speaking? I guess speaking is your main, main income source as you said. So why did you end up in, uh, in speaking? Well
2: part of it was because um, uh, when I was working in the World, I'd often do like a team building event. I'd often volunteer at an off site to say, Hey, you know, let me let me run a little team building event for fun because they're always looking for volunteers, right? And so I said, sure. And I and, and the first time I did one, uh, I remember the audience they gave me like, you know, forty five minutes. And then after it was over, they were like, wow, Bobby, that was really good. They, they lo- they're like, I really loved how you just kind of related everything we did. And there was a debrief, debrief and he related it back to the business and how we could be better as leaders and team members. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then uh, they're like, have you ever thought about doing this for a living? And I was like, no, 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 no. And uh, then the next year they uh, they asked me to come back in another mm-hmm. one. But this time they said, can you do a two-hour session? And then after I did it again, great feedback. People loved it. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh, I'm so great. And <laughs> you ever thought about doing this for a living? And I was like... No, no, I'm I'm trying to you know I I didn't want to I didn't want to say I was thinking about leaving. I wanted to impress my superiors and say, look, I, I'm 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 here to commit to the company and I want to grow here and blah blah blah. So the it was it was kind of all there. And then when I finally you know left the corporate world, um, I, many people I talked to and I got a lot of feedback. They all said, you know, um, Bobby, you're you, you're a great speaker. You connect emotionally. Uh, really well. You're good at training. You have experience doing facilitation. Maybe you should be a speaker. And then, additionally, I did a lot of uh, soul searching and deep diving with my personal brand. So I did le- I did many uh, personality assessments. I did kind of a deep dive into my values and my traits and my skills and things I care about. And certain themes came up. And when I found out that. One of the things that my brand's all about is connection, people, persuasion, influence, performing, presenting, and diversity. Speaking seemed like a perfect thing to do, and uh, it's been great so far.
1: Mm -hmm. And how did you make that transition? How did you get your first paying customer?
2: Oh, good question. Uh, Well, you know, I've always been really good at um, keeping track of my connections. Um, So even before the uh, advent of LinkedIn and such, I actually had an Excel sheet. Where I kept emails of people I had I've known all my life, and I had about three thousand wow. emails on it. Three thousand min- wow. addresses, email list. Like I just I was very good at keeping track of that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the first thing I did was I sent out five hundred brochures to the people I thought would be really good, and then I sent an email to three thousand people, and that was the, the first thing I did to to get the word out there that hey, here's what I'm doing now, and I'm looking for you know, opportunities, and then. As soon as that happened, uh, you know, several people messaged me back. Not as many as I thought would. <laughs> I was kind of, honestly a little bit disappointed. I I, I think, like, the initial... I went into the mail-out. I think I got maybe four people call me. And then when the, you know, the email went up to 3,000 people, I got about maybe, maybe 12, 13 inquiries, which I thought was kind of sucky. But um, anyways, I followed up on those and uh, got my first gig. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: which was great. And so you've decided you're going to step out
2: i leveraged my network so basically yes so basically i leveraged my entire existing network i wasn't doing any sales generation lead generation of of people i didn't know it was i've completely used my own network which was pretty large
1: that's very good um so you've leveraged your network you had three thousand contacts and you you mailed out 500 i'm assuming you know physical brochures in the mail and then you had some some good feedback so what, what what was the feedback and what was your message in that email what were you telling them
2: uh, well, I was building excitement around it. I just said, hey, you know what? I'm very excited to announce the launch of my company, and here's what I'm doing, and uh, here's the different uh, things that I will be helping people with. And if you'd like to inquire about uh, helping your teams in your, in your organization better, um, please reach out to me. Now, uh, in retrospect, I'm probably sure I did a pretty bad job in the sense that back then I probably didn't spend much time thinking about pain points and bliss points and uh, looking at an emotional level. And probably number two, I didn't have very much data uh, that I could have leveraged. I was really mostly selling a person, these are people I knew. So I was really sending a very personal message Hi, it's Bobby, your friend. Here's what I'm doing. I'm very excited. Hope you he can help me out. As opposed to kind of that very, you know, marketing driven copy that's meant to really touch the heartstrings and, and, and generate
1: leads. And how did you? then grow your business from those couple of first paying customers
2: well, um, a few things. One was uh, to do a really amazing job so that they would remember me and people would want to follow up. So I was big on referrals. And then the second piece was to continue hustling that uh, that network. Like uh, I had the emails and I would contact people and set up calls, set up uh, breakfast meetings, lunches, coffee dates to just you know meet people and tell them what I'm up to. I'm up to because I had much more flexibility with my time because I you know I was free all day, so I can meet people at their spaces and, and things like that. So I probably gosh I can't even imagine how many. Meetings I had, but probably in the first three to five years, I must have met over a thousand people um, in my yeah. network to let them know what I'm up to. And so, with those, you know that that started to make things happen. And then I think. The other thing that happened was, um, well, social media really. I was, you know, I was pretty active on even back then. You know, Facebook, I was on there, and LinkedIn, I was on there, so I was definitely letting people know what I was doing. And so I, I did have a pretty, I think at the time, for how big social media was back then, uh, a pretty strong brand among, among my network. And so people reach out to me saying, "Hey, Bobby, do you do?" X, Y, Z, and, I, and for most of them, I'd say, sure. And then the other ones I didn't do, I'd say, sure, I'll try it. So like, I mm-hmm. I, I ended up mm-hmm. doing, in the first two, three years, a lot of different types of activities that I wouldn't do now. And I would entertain, you know, if someone wanted me to do a, t- a talk on, let's say, accountability. I mean, it wasn't really a main topic, but I'd say, sure, I'll do it. Uh, you know, one person mm-hmm. said, hey, do you want to facilitate an event for uh, a couple high school kids? Sure, I'll do it. Like, I just said yes to everything back in the day.
1: And, and I know I was just, um, chatting to another speaker, actually interesting enough, just before. And, um, he's got, um, he's got a background in psychology and behavioral finance. And he was saying, you know, at the beginning, he was saying yes to everything until at some point he decided to start saying, no because um you made a decision you know we're spending too much time recreating all these bespoke um keynotes um did you get to that point in your business and what did that do for your business
2: yeah you know um when i first started out i spoke to a speaking mentor and one of the questions i asked him is like how do you know when to say no and he said his only advice was bob you'll know (laughs) which was funny but uh Mm. there got to a point where you know, I was doing a lot of things for free too. And, but then pretty soon I had a low bar. Like I, I had a low end and a high end. So there'd be like the, the high end that I pitch, the low end I'd be willing to accept. Right. So for example, when I started out, uh, I was pitching myself at $500 a speech and I would do a lot of free stuff. And then after that, it, it changed. Uh, you know, my low end became 500 and my high end became 1,000. And then pretty soon, my high end became 2,500 my low end became 800. And it just kept shifting. Mm. So so one of the things was, you know, and, and knowing what to say no to, because, you know, you, you could spend a lot of time doing stuff that doesn't really lead to anything. I still did free things because... You know, if I'm speak so for me, like if I'm speaking to a group of a thousand people and it's during the day and it's right downtown, local, no problem. Like that's easy for me because I'll get bookings after it. But for something late mm-hmm. at night and it's far away and there's less people, I would probably say no. So saying no is really helping you say yes to your current priorities. And then the other thing, when it comes to your value, the moment you know your value, then everyone wants your value because you have to really understand the value bring to the table and see yourself as a professional, just like any lawyer or accountant would, as they charge by the hour and really, you know, value yourself in terms of what you're, the service you're delivering.
1: Yeah, and then at some point, you've then switched into social media, TEDx talks, um, in terms of your marketing strategy. At what point did you do that?
2: Uh, Well, that's an interesting story. When uh, I got my first opportunity to do a TEDx talk, I actually did know what it was. And I looked it up and I saw almost every famous speaker that I knew, uh, political, social, business leaders, and they'd all done a TEDx talk. I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And so when I got my first TEDx talk, I realized that's the time for me to really do a good job. And so that was actually the same day I launched my social media strategy. So on October 5th, 2011, mm-hmm. I did my first of my four TEDx talks, and I also knew that it would be a great marketing tool. And I also saw that social media was here to stay. And you know, because I've been at this point, I've been on Facebook for five. I joined Facebook in 2006. So I've been on five, Facebook for five years. I've been on LinkedIn for seven years because uh, I joined that in 2004. And I was like, social media is here to stay. Twitter showed up. I was like, you know what? I need to build this. So I put together. A, I, I spent about maybe three, four months coming up with what my social media strategy would be. I, I refined with other people, talked to other experts. And then on March 5th, I launched mm-hmm. everything. I launched my Twitter strategy, my newsletter, my Facebook biz page. I launched everything that very day to announce my TEDx talk. And then I started following up. And then within six months, uh, social media really took off, particularly Twitter. Because uh, within six months, mm-hmm. uh, people, I, I got my first speaking gig right off of Twitter. Because someone said, hey, I love what you're talking about. Can you come in and do a session on X? And I said, sure.
1: And that was the start of that. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So you said you launched your social media strategy. I, I don't think I've heard many people talking about, you know, once you've already got your social media, um, you know, you had your LinkedIn, you had your, your Facebook. Now you're saying you, you created a strategy over three months, which, which is intriguing, and then you launched it. So what are we talking about?
2: Well, part of it is like integration. Right, so everything was kind of integrated um, in the sense that uh, what I posted on my Facebook Biz page would be similar or different than what I posted on Twitter versus what I posted on LinkedIn. So I had kind of a content strategy on what I was putting out there. Same with the same with the newsletter that I was sending out to my email list. Um, and then Twitter was the one where I'd share more articles than not. Um, I was sharing articles on the other LinkedIn and, and Facebook as well, but that's where Twitter really started to take off. So the, the strategy was really about. Just having a way to make sure who I know, knowing who my target was, knowing what kind of content I want to send out there, what my brand was, and, uh, and then how I was going to execute it across the different channels, because there were different channels. So I had to find a way to lever the different platforms in the best way possible.
1: How do you differentiate the three platforms that you've just talked about? How do you look at them for your business?
2: Well, uh, LinkedIn is a professional network. So 80% professional, 20% personal. Facebook is a personal platform uh, that's all about community. But uh, I do have a business page there. So that one's typically 80-20 as well but on my Facebook personal page, I talk 80% personal, 20% business. And then Twitter is for everything. So on Twitter, I talk everything. I talk parenting, politics, career, business, work, personal, social justice, you name it. So Twitter's where I pretty much Mm. share everything. Facebook too, I mean, on my Facebook personal page, I would share I would share everything however I share less content because you know you don't want to drive facebook friends mad with too much content i mean i post like maybe you know at max 3 to 5 things per day whereas on twitter i'm posting 10 15 20 things a day so it's different there but and because they have different cultures you know twitter they twitter likes lots of lots of content linkedin you know doesn't like as much content same with facebook so i have to adjust those uh, for my for my needs but each one has a different target but there is the whole alignment of personal and professional which I think comes across all of them because at the end of the day um we're all humans and people resonate with human interaction so if i have a powerful story that's important to me personally that i'll share on uh, facebook which is usually where i start uh, i will often share it on linkedin as well which is the one where people typically you know try not to but i will there because i think some of the more relevant stories of our lives are things that relate to professionals, too, because professionals are also humans.
1: Mm. What would you say prepared you in your corporate career? And we haven't touched on this, so can you just touch a little bit on what you did in the corporate world that prepared you for what you're doing now, do you think?
2: Mm, Good question. Uh, I would say, well, working in teams, I think, is really helpful, cross-functional teams. Like, as an entrepreneur, I have to work with a web person and a social media person and a copywriter – I have to work with a research data minor person. I have to work with other entrepreneurs. So, you know, collaboration with cross-functional team members who have different skill sets and leveraging that I think is something I learned well in in the corporate world. Corporate world also taught me an appreciation for the due diligence of qualitative and quantitative data to support what you're trying to do. You you shouldn't just do something because I feel like that would be good. You can't just feel it. You have to actually prove it to yourself that it's good. So often when I work with interns, they'll say, hey, Bobby, I think we should do Uh, this activity. I'll say, why? Well, I heard heard from a friend. I'm like, heard from a friend? That's not good enough. I need some qualitative and quantitative data to support why you're doing it. Otherwise, we're not doing it. Why would I spend money on something that's not even qualified? So um, that due diligence um, certainly helps me. What else? Uh, I mean, brand marketing definitely taught me a lot about branding. So I I leveraged that insights in my brand marketing days to use it for... uh, Because the reason I started personal branding was because I would talk about networking, and one day I had the concept, you know, I'm from brand marketing, and here's what I think branding is about, and here's what I think networking is about. If you put them together, that's personal branding. To me, your networking is you delivering a promise to people, and that promise is your personal brand. And when I started talking about uh, networking in terms of personal branding, people loved it. And that took off, and I was like, hey, personal branding is pretty hot right now. This was back in 2008. So I was like, wow, I should, uh, mm. I, should talk, I should talk about this more. And then within probably two years, pe- that became my second most popular topic.
1: Right. And what is your number one popular topic up to today?
2: Well, historically, the one I've been doing forever since the very beginning is networking, authentic connection, building relationships. People, you know, everyone needs to build relationships with people. They need to network better. I've been doing that since day one. It's evolved now because it, it incorporates, you know, social media and the way people have changed. But uh, it is the number one thing I did from the very beginning. Connection. And relationship building and networking is the fundamental basis of everything I do because personal branding is connection with the self and social media is connection with the world. And so to me, the whole relationship connection networking piece is the base of what I'm best at, but also what I use in everything that I talk about.
1: And which platform do you see the majority of your clients getting a lot of bang for their buck today in terms of being able to network out to their prospects and, and getting qualified leads and, and doing business that way?
2: Well, you know, a big part of it is depending on your target market, right? So, you know, there are people out there that are doing well, I mean, Facebook and LinkedIn are the two main ways to do it. But I've seen people do a good job on Twitter and Instagram. But I think, you know, Twitter is more about building awareness and thought leadership around your brand. And then you can follow up with an email or a phone call or whatever it might be. You know, you know, social media generally is about building awareness. And then email yeah. or a phone call or in person is where you make the transaction. You're not going to make a transaction via social media. I'm not going to post on any social media and say, hey, buy, buy my program. No, you have to. It's got to be more than that. So social media is about awareness. And email, in-person, and phone are about transactions. But I will say that Facebook has amazing tools for targeting ads and targeting content towards very specific people that will then drive them to a sales page or lead page, which then ultimately leads to a sale. And LinkedIn, of course, is really powerful for sales because it's the place for professional networking. So professionals are there; they're thinking in terms of business. They're in a the business mindset. So. From that, from that standpoint, I mean, Facebook for targeting, LinkedIn for the environment of business uh, are probably the best. But for me personally, the truth is Twitter adds a lot because when people go to my Twitter feed, and they're like, wow, 427,000 followers and I'm verified. I may, I'm way more legit there. And so they look at that and it makes them want to, you know, uh, work with me as a speaker or as a coach. Get so I basically didn't an answer the question. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, ba- I didn't answer your question. I basically
2: told you why each of them are good, but they're all good for different reasons. I mean, if I had to pick, if I had to, you know, pick the one, I mean, it's hard. It's really hard. I mean, I think uh, the one to pick for business really is LinkedIn. If I had to.
1: Now you've talked about you know the the important piece of closing the sale is not really on social media but it's through email so you've got to get your 450,000 followers off of Twitter onto your email database how have, how successful have you been and what do you think what has worked well for you in that regard
2: uh, i think that it, i think it's really hard it's very hard to get them to transition to uh, an email list or subscriber list, uh, ultimately, it comes down to content. So uh, Twitter is not the best tool for that. Um, if you want people to sign up for uh, your email list, you're, you're better off doing, like, say, a webinar uh, on a topic that people really want to hear about. And then you'll get people signing up and subscribing via mm-hmm. lead page. Uh, now, I promote that on Twitter and link to Facebook, but it's really the webinar that's doing driving the, the sales. Uh, Facebook has really good targeting tools for an ad or a downloadable that you can, again, build an email list with. So I think it's much more powerful than what, uh, than what uh, Twitter can offer. Again, Twitter really just builds awareness. But I think that if you can get them to the lead page, that's where you can make the sale and get them to put their email in it. But you have to give them some content, give them some lead magnet or nugget that really gets them excited, right?
1: So, in terms of your sales funnel, so you've got a massive following on Twitter. You've got, you know, you're doing stuff on LinkedIn, doing stuff on Facebook, and then you're actually speaking um, on stages regularly, and therefore people are coming up to you and booking you. What do you focus on most in terms of getting that next sale or or filling up your calendar? Is it just the live speaking engagements or do you have an actual funnel that you're really focused on?
2: Uh, I have several funnels that I attempt to do. Uh, Mm. I'm not the best tech guy, but I mean, I do have funnels. So, like, I have a Facebook funnel that uh, is all about um, becoming a speaker and then I use that to sell some of my online programs but the funnels are not really for getting speaking gigs. The funnels are really more for group coaching and online program selling, because the thing about, you know, Mm -hmm. like as a speaker, it's great. But one of the things I've learned uh, in the last several years is that, you know, if I, if I get hit by a bus, my speaking career and my revenue stream is done, so it's important for me to create content that's mm-hmm. online. So I've created, for example, I create a twelve-week program called Networking Mastery, and I create another program called uh, Speaker Mastermind Group Coaching for four weeks, and it's basically all my best content stuff to help people, you know, uh, improve their their networking and improve their speaking abilities. Uh, and that's great because you know, a hundred people can buy that instead of just you know one speaking gig and then I get paid and that's it. So in terms of the funnels, there's a few. Doing webinars has definitely been a good funnel tactic of mine um mm-hmm. doing um having the lead magnet to funnel on facebook with with a targeted ad has been a really pretty good funnel Those are probably the two most popular ones that i'm using um in terms of i mean if, if yeah. twitter and linkedin had better uh ads and targeting ads ad tools i'd use them but right now they suck comparatively
1: <laughs> very good yeah yeah you're probably right and um i think facebook has done a really good job at that so so that's that's pretty good what about when we're talking breakthrough moments? So you've been full-time for 10 years. Was there one moment where you felt that was when everything shifted for you in terms of where you're at today?
2: Ooh, uh, I'll, I'll give you two. Uh, the first big shift was the TEDx talk um, because mm. um, that was 2011. I'd been in business for almost four years, right? And uh, uh, that TEDx talk and the launch of my social media strategy was a game changer. It definitely – shifted gears, it made me, it built a thought leadership brand around who I was, what I did. Um, And I was ahead of the the game of many of the professional speakers out there who weren't leveraging social media. So that was a big game changer. And I think the second one was in 2015, because at that point, my social media thought leadership brand was pretty big. And uh, a few things happened. One was I was named one of Inca Magazine's Top 100 Leadership Speakers which was phenomenal and I didn't even pitch for it. Like some of the things you pitch for but this one I didn't pitch it just came out of nowhere and uh, floored me which mm. was great But because it, it told me that the work I'm doing out there is notice, noticeable and at the same time that's when I also yeah. scored uh, uh, a speaker agent and so now I have a speaker agent that helps me get speaking gigs and I have to do less work and less negotiating and less, uh, you know, um, logistics logistic and planning which I hate. So, that was and so was mm-hmm. t- 2015 was another big moment. Oh, and the third thing that happened in uh, 2015 actually was my shift from not just focusing on speaking but trying to build programs that can scale. So I think about my business from a more scalable standpoint. Uh, and longevity and that was a big shift so 2011 and 2015 were were big things for me
1: well that's good i've I've interviewed a couple of uh, people who've had those tedx experiences in fact i interviewed the um um, trisha brooke who is the one of the core coordinators at lincoln square tedx and um yeah she was just walking me through how the whole thing works so so i'm encouraging all my listeners basically to look into that and if you're thinking about you know something that will you know, extrapolate what your message into a bigger, bigger range. I think that's a good thing that we're hearing even on this call today. So,
2: yeah, because TEDx, yeah, TEDx is like a a great way for you to give your best idea. I mean, when they asked me, what's your biggest idea of life? uh, I I didn't know at the time, but then I came up with the power of connection. And as you could tell, it's that that big idea has been the cornerstone of everything I do even today. So, uh, I I think I picked the right one.
1: (laughs) Mm, That's good. I love that. Um, I want to start to bring us to a close. So, I want to ask you, are there two great books that you have read um, that you believe have influenced your journey as an entrepreneur that you love to share here with our audience?
2: Well, let me be very frank with you. I'm not a big reader. And so, it's very hard for me to give you a book that I've Mm. actually finished to completion um, yeah. what I can tell you. And then, and the reason I say that you're like people are like, what Bobby's illiterate? No, I mean, I do read, I read articles, I read journals, I read, uh, lots of, lots of different things. I'm a, i am I love to consume video content, but I believe people learn in three ways. They learn by doing, which is something I've done my whole life. And I'm good at that. They learn by academic reading. So reading books, journals, blogs, research papers, whatever, which I don't do very much. And then number three, they, uh, we learn by actually talking to people. So I have conversations and I talk to mentors and I extract information and I ask questions and I take notes. And that to me is a great way for me to learn by listening. But if I will pick one leadership book that uh, I have read and I and you, you may find this a very interesting choice, I'm going to say Harry Potter. And the reason I say that is because when you read the entire series, it's a complete story, history and example of the important things of heart leadership that I care about. It's about courage. It's about being brave. It's about loyalty. It's about friendship. It's about love. It's about, you know, coming to terms with your past, being in the moment. Uh, Looking towards the future and uh, dealing with dark days, dealing with light days. And to me, every entrepreneur, every leader should recognize that Harry Potter has some of the best themes for any leader and entrepreneur that I've ever seen. So for me, I love that.
1: Wow. Okay. That's, that's an interesting choice. Um, but thanks for sharing that. Let me know what is the best way for people who want to reach out to you, connect with you, maybe on your speaking courses or you've written a couple of books. How do we reach that content and um, what's the best way to follow you?
2: Sure. The best place to follow me is on LinkedIn uh, or Twitter, Bobby Umar or at Rehan Bobby, which is my Twitter handle. It's my handle for everything. So Instagram, All the different ones is Rayhan Bobby. Uh, I also have a Facebook biz page. My website's com, And uh, my books are available on, uh, if you look up on Amazon.com, you'll see them.
1: Now, let me ask you this. What does that name mean? Is that another name, your official name, or is it just a business name? Which one, Ray Allen? Yeah.
2: Yeah, so years ago, before I started my business, a friend of mine said, Bobby, I want to work with you. I want to do a business. And uh, I think you're very inspirational. So we put together a logo, which we currently have today, and we put together a name, Ray Allen. Rayhan is my first name. Allen was his middle name. So we came up with Ray Allen, and we came up with a whole code and the whole values and All whatever. Right. And then he became a lawyer, and I was busy with corporate. And then finally I was like, hey, listen, dude, can I use the logo and what we came up with? And he's like, sure. And, uh, and there you go. <laughs> but, Very you know, good. so Ray Allen's always been there and uh, it's been great. Although, you know, ultimately Bob Umar is the brand, but Ray Allen is there too as part of a larger scale thing.
1: Fantastic. No, that's great. We'll link everything up in the show notes. And to all our listeners, um, if you've listened to us for a while, you know that we prepare a special PDF highlight reel for everything that we've shared here in the interview. Wow. Bobby, here's my last question for you. And I, I want to thank you for um, coming on this show. And, uh, you know, you've, um, you know, set out some time for us to really dig into your story and to help inspire inspire somebody else as well but I've got one more question and I, I want to ask you do you think about legacy when all is said and done and if you do what legacy do you want to leave and be remembered for and tell us why
2: I always think about legacy and I think most of us who read the top five regrets of the dying realize that legacy is what it's all about we want to leave a legacy we want to feel part of something bigger than better than ourselves Ultimately, my number one legacy is going to be my children. I think that, uh, you know, becoming a a dad and raising my kids to be productive, nurtured, happy, fulfilling, global, productive citizens uh, of this earth is going to be the greatest story and legacy of my life. But secondly, uh, I would say that people will know that, you know, one of my legacies, Bobby's always been about connection. I've always been there for people. I've always supported people. I've always helped them fly. And they know that if they need an ear or a hug or someone is just going to be willing to you know uh support them and, and champion them and, and make them happy make them feel happy that to me would be a legacy as well
1: thank you so much uh for sharing that that was amazing so ladies and gentlemen there you have it that was mr bobby umar uh from ray you can check out his books you can check him out at on twitter on linkedin and follow him on those platforms and check out his online courses as well he's been on the speaking tour for for many years and uh if you're thinking about going into that realm um, I think that is um, some good resources for you to tap into. I hope that inspired you. I hope you you got your hopes up that you are good enough to chase your dreams. And remember, if you enjoyed that episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. That'll be a huge help for us head on over to businessgenerals.com forward slash Bobby U. That's B-O-B-B-Y-U. And once again, you can reach Bobby at rayallen.com and on Twitter and LinkedIn. Bobby, thank you so much for being on the Business General's podcast today and for sharing your story with us. For that, we are absolutely grateful. You are a true Business General.
0: Thank you, Davis. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Business General's podcast connect with us at businessgenerals.com and grab the full show notes and access a ton of free resources. Subscribe to the Business Generals podcast so that you do not miss an episode and help us reach more people by leaving us a positive review on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. We look forward to your company on our next episode. Until then, remember that you are a true Business General. The Business Generals Podcast, helping you maximize your startup business ideas, take control of your personal finances, and get the most out of your professional career.